Well, most of us like music. I mean, most people do. Most people like songs and music. And the thing about music is so incredible because you can memorize things through music that you can't regularly. I mean, there's songs that back when you were 12 years old that you, you can say the song because you memorize the words because the song and the words went together. And it's really amazing that music is so powerful. Uh, and there are a lot of different styles of music, a lot of different ways. We know that music has changed uh, as time goes by, and people say, oh, I would like the old songs, or I'd like the new songs. Well, I want you to understand that the old songs at one time were the new songs, and before that there was something else. And there's going to be different music later on. If, if Jesus doesn't come back and get us soon, there'll be another wave of a different kind of music, and some people will go, I don't like that. I like the old music, which is really the new music. To I mean, so that's just the way it is. It's just always changing. And, you know, I, w I would love to hear some of these psalms that, that they actually sang, because these were songs that David wrote, a lot of them, 75 of the 150 were David. I wonder what they sounded like when, when they sang them. What did they sound like? Now, you know, I know some people have taken some of the psalms and they've set them to music today. So some of our praise songs are actually psalms as well, but I don't imagine that's the song David uh, sang when he sang some of these songs. Uh, there's been all kind of controversy in music. Martin Luther said this, that when Satan fell, he fell in the, he fell in the choir loft. And, and because there's always so much issues with music and all kind of things. Our, our music ministry team, they are out of this world. I, it is they are so good. I, I just I don't worry about it. Yeah, you can give them a hand. They are out of this world. I, I love them. And they, they do great songs and they do a variety of things and they love the Lord. It's, it's really good. When we look at psalms, we realize there are different kind of psalms. Uh, in fact... Uh, Wait a minute, what? I don't know what happened to it. Did this jump ahead? I don't know, I'm missing something there. Oh, here we are. I don't know where that was. We find that there are praise psalms, enthronement psalms, lament psalms, imprecatory psalms. You say, what is all that? They're different songs, praise songs that, you know, you'll, Psalm 150. Let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. That's a praise. And then the enthronement songs. Here comes the king sitting on the throne. Psalm 24 is an enthronement song. Psalm 2 is an enthronement song. Then there's lament songs, which is sadness. And he'll go, oh, my soul is weeping. You know, and that's a song. And then there's imprecatory psalms, which says, kill my enemy. That's what an imprecatory psalm is. Sometimes people read those and we go, are we supposed to read those today? Because it actually says, uh, go ahead and, and do, and, and the guy that did me wrong, take care of him. Well, that, in one sense, it's still okay because you're not getting them back and you're telling God to deal with them, right? So anyway, there are all kind of different uh, things. Psalm 1 is sort of the, the, one of the keys. Do you realize there are five books of psalms? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. If your Bible's like mine, if you're in Psalm 1, right above where mine says Psalm 1, it says Book 1. Does any of y'all say the same thing? Any of y'all say, anybody there? Uh, some of you, uh, you know, don't have a Bible open or anything, but that's okay. It, does it say Book 1? Yeah, there. I mean, because there are five different books of Psalms. And, and so as you look at them, and, and why are there five different books? I don't know. Uh, the, you know, who knows? And so when we look at these, we're going to see the issue, of, especially Psalm 1, of wisdom and foolishness. And we see the same thing over and over again. Remember from the last couple of weeks that wisdom is knowing and applying the Word of God. We see in Psalms 1 a contrast between righteous and wicked. 
And Psalm 1 is a big overview of really the whole rest of the Psalms because when you sing these songs, whether they're enthronement songs or whether they're praise songs or whether they're lament songs or even imprecatory psalms or even different other psalms, there's still that idea of here's the wisest thing, here's the best thing to do, here's what we should do. So Psalm 1 is going to show us the way of righteousness, which is wisdom, which is wise. And he shows the way of the wicked, the ungodly, which is called the fool. And all people are basically, in this psalm, two big groups. The righteous, which is the believer, and the wicked is the unbeliever. In fact, sometimes if you look at this, some people say, well, could that wicked be just a, a wicked believer? I, could be, but the way that uh, he, he brings this about, it looks like, especially when we get to verse 5, that he's probably talking about believers and unbelievers. And as we look at this, we're going to see that there's two men, two ways, and two destinies. And so in this short little psalm, and we're not going to take but just a few minutes to go through it, and I, I want you to be able to do it and get excited about it. If you remember, last week I told you, if possible, start doing uh, the Proverbs by reading the proverb of the day, right? What's the date? This is the what? The 11th? So I hope you read, read Proverbs 11 sometime today, earlier this morning when you first woke up or something, uh, or maybe on the way to church or, you know, that Proverbs 11, you ought to read it. It's got some stuff in it. Uh, that, it's amazing. Uh, and, it's, and, and then tomorrow, 12. And on, but what about the Psalms? Psalm 1 is an introductory psalm that puts the whole contrast between the wicked and the righteous. Two men, two ways, and two destinies. Let me show you how it breaks down. It talks about the righteous man who's wise. That's verses 1, 2, 3. He talks about the wicked man that's foolish. That's verses 4 and 5. And then in verse 6, he tells the two destinies, what actually happens to them. And so we'll see it. Now let's talk about the wise person. And that's the first three verses. And the wise person, he's going to give us a negative, what the wise person does not do. He gives us a positive, what the wise person does do. And then the results. So think about this. You want to get really practical? Okay, what, as a wise person, what are you not to do? And then as a wise person, what are you to do? And then what will be the results if we do that? So this is pretty practical. When I've had people say, well, the Bible is not relevant. Oh, yeah? Yeah, try this verse and see what happens. Well, let's look at verse 1, and we get the negative. Here's what the wise man does not do. Three things. Notice, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. He talks about walking, standing, and sitting. So he says... The wise man does not do these three things. Well, let's look at them in the details. The first one is, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The, the word walk has the idea of step by step. It has the idea of connecting. It has the idea of, of the counsel of saying, well, that's a good idea. And he says, the wise man does not connect with the wicked. The wise man does not say, that seems like a good idea. The wise man does not say, that's good. I mean, there's some things that are happening in our country today, and I'm not even going to bring them up, but, but some of them are so bizarre that they're not even common sense. And, and we see people who say, well, that sounds okay to me. And then you want to look at them and go, you're, you've lost your mind. You've lost your mind if you think that's good. It says, the wise man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, they don't say, that's a good idea. Righteous man does not live his life with the worldview of the world. He doesn't have the worldview of the ungodly. We got talking about worldview. I read a study the other day. Uh, George Barna did a study, and it talked about uh, people in the local bodies, and they did a question. 
and they found that only 18% of people who go to church have a biblical worldview, 18%. That means almost 80% of people who go to churches don't have a biblical worldview. They have a world worldview, not a biblical worldview. And that's, first of all, they're not taught any Bible, so that's why they don't know anything. They don't know what's right and what's wrong. They just get caught up in all the world and what the world says, and they know just a little bit, and they know some of the Bible stories and things, but they don't really know Scripture. And so it's so easy to get caught up in that. He says the wise man doesn't connect with the world. He doesn't, he doesn't get the counsel of the ungodly. We're not conformed by this world. We're changed by the Word. That's Romans 12, too. You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2, offer your life that be not conformed to this world, be changed by, you know, by the renewing of your mind, be renewed. And so the very first thing is the wise man doesn't connect in that way. And we could put it this way, blessed man doesn't live according to the world. So the first thing is don't live according to the world. Now watch, it gets worse because he starts off walking and then he gets what? Standing and then he gets sitting. Each one is progressively worse. Here's the second one. He doesn't stand in the path of the sinners. Now, move, notice he's moved away from just being a part of it, so to speak, now to being in involved in it. He takes the stand. There are people who are very unwise because they take the stand of the world and they say, this is fine. This is what's right. This is what we're going to push. This is the main thing. This is what we should do. They make decisions to go along. As he says here, stand in the path of sinners. They go along with people who are doing sinful things, and they say they're okay. If you read Romans chapter 1, that's exactly what you see. God lets people go according to what they want to do. He gives them over to their desires and their wrong things. And he says, that, so the wise man doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, and he doesn't stand. He's now stopped, and he stands uh, doing that. He doesn't, his, the blessed man doesn't make his decisions contrary to the word of God. And then look at the third one. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scoffers. And the word scoffer means to, in, a, in, in opposition, scornful, making fun of. And, and look, notice, in our there are people who make fun of what you believe. The unwise person does that. He says the wise man doesn't, doesn't follow the counsel of the world. He doesn't stand and do things that are wrong. And he doesn't make fun of and are contrary to the truths of the Bible. And there are people out there right now that will tell you that what you believe, you're an idiot. And they make fun of us because we're believers. And that's not the wise man. The wise man doesn't do that. The wise man doesn't do that. Look at this. Uh, sit in opposition to God. So there's a progression. The, the, the wise man doesn't live like the world. He doesn't make decisions to do wrong. He doesn't get a place of opposition. What does he do? The wise man walks according to the word, not the world. The wise man stands to do what's right, not what's wrong. The wise man is announcing God, not opposing God. The wise man is standing for God, not in opposition to God. So he starts off by saying, how blessed is a man who doesn't do this, who doesn't do this, who doesn't do this. He doesn't walk like the world. He doesn't stand like the sinner. He doesn't sit like the scoffer. And so for us, the first thing is, let's don't do that. Be careful, because if you're not careful, if you don't have a biblical worldview, before you know it, you say, well, that sounds okay to me. Well, no, it's not okay. It's contrary to the Bible. Well, but everybody else does it. Everybody says it. I mean, it's become accepted. Just because it's become accepted in the world doesn't mean it's right. So, blessed are the man who walks, stands, and sits in all the good stuff. Now, then there's the positive. The negative, this is what he doesn't do. But here's the positive, what he does do. Look at verse 2. 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. His delight is in the word of God. When he says the law of the law of the Lord, that was the Torah, that was the first five books, he's basically saying God's, his delight is in the word of God. His delight is in the scripture. And a question for all of us, do we love the scripture? Do you love to read it? Do you love to study it? Do you have a time every day that you read the Bible, that you dig it, that maybe, maybe once a week you actually study it and dig it and take a passage and observation, interpretation, application, going all the way through, putting it together, saying, man, I love how this stuff fits together. Do you do that? Do you have every day where you say, I can hardly wait to get up and read Proverbs 12 tomorrow or 11 today. I want to read through the Psalms. I want to read the Gospels. I want to see the life of Christ. I want to, I mean, do you love that? Look what he says. His delight is in the word of God. And then he says, and in it, in his law, in the word, he meditates day and night. And the word meditate is the same like Psalm 119.11, that word of I hid in my heart. That's taking the Bible and it's memorizing it. It's understanding it. Meditation is not Eastern mysticism, which we all know. Meditation for the Bible is where you actually take a truth from the Bible and you think about it. You turn it over in your mind. You say, okay, how can I apply this? How does this work? Where do I find this in the scripture? That's biblical meditation. Meditation is taking the truths of the Bible and thinking about them. Uh, Eastern mysticism meditation is clearing your mind and saying some mantras which will bring in false gods, which you may or may not realize is happening. So you want biblical meditation. And so he says, the, the blessed man doesn't do these things, but what he does do is he delights in the Bible. And in his law, he meditates day and night. It's so positive because he delights in the word of God. So do we delight in the Bible? Are we excited about it? Uh, when I started growing as a Christian, and I was coaching at Mississippi State, and I started growing, I, I, all of a sudden I realized how amazing the Bible Yes, I mean, it's amazing. And you, you start looking at it and how the books fit together and the letters and the Old Testament and the flow and, and here's the life of Christ and here's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and why they're different and all this and the book of Revelation. And you start going, oh my great, and all these letters that Paul wrote to these people and, and you start going, this is amazing. And it all fits together. And the excitement that we all should have about understanding the Bible. We should, you know... I, People say things like, well, I'm no Bible scholar. They're, they're saying about themselves. They say, I'm no Bible scholar. And I go, why not? Can you read? It's in English. You should be able to understand it, right? Why aren't we scholars? I mean, when we say I'm no Bible scholar, that's saying I'm not studying it because I can't really understand it. I don't think I can be a scholar. But I don't, when I say Bible scholar, I'm saying a person who just knows the Bible, who has an understanding, how it fits together. you rightly dividing... What's our one of our study to show yourself approved to God or work me not to be ashamed? Handling accurately the word of God, rightly dividing the word of God that you would know something. If somebody came to you right now and said, why don't we offer sacrifices today like the Jewish people did? Would you say, oh no. Or would you say, well, here's obviously this. They were under the Mosaic law and the sacrificial system pointed to Christ. But when Christ came, he's the final sacrifice for sin forever. And so when he died, the Christ is the end of the law to all who believe. So we're not under the Mosaic law, so we don't offer sacrifices. Except we offer certain sacrifices like our lives and our praise and our giving. Those are all sacrifices in the New Testament. So you know that, right? We would be able to say that. 
because we rightly divide the word of God. We should be able to do things like that, okay? Now, what's the results? He said, blessed is a man who doesn't do these things. This is what he does do. Well, what is the results? The results is very positive. Verse three, he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Now, look what he is. He's like a plant. He's like a tree planted. Now, not a wild tree. This tree's planted on purpose. This, this tree has a purpose. It's like, you know, in your yard, there are things that grow up, and they're wild, and you say, I don't want that. But then there are other things you plant. Gene plants these flowers a lot. I, I don't care about any. I, mean, I like them. I just don't want to do anything with them. I hope I don't ever have to do anything with them. But anyway, the bottom line is they're planted for a reason. But there are other things that grow up in our yard that aren't planted for a reason. We'd like to get rid of that. Okay? So the bottom line is he says that when we live according to the Scripture and do what God wants to do, we're like something God planted on purpose. We're like the tree planted where by the streams of the water. That's where we can get anything. And what do we do? We're fruitful. And the, we don't, we don't uh, leaf doesn't wither and, and we prosper and, and we're very special because it never runs dry. The roots are there because it's right by the water. And God is our source of nourishment. And th- there's fruit there. It produces fruit. Remember what Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. In Christ, we can do all things. And so he says, listen, here's the wise man. The wise man doesn't do these things. The wise man does this. And as a result, he's like this tree who is very fruitful. And what do we want to do? Produce fruit? If you remember in John, John 15, I'm the vine, you the branches. And all this, he says, I want you to produce fruit. I want you to produce much fruit. Be fruitful. In fact, in Peter, it talks about and uh, it, where it says where, where, where your entrance into the kingdom will be abundant. An abundant entrance, which means fruitful. When you enter the kingdom. So you're going to enter the kingdom, right? How do you enter the kingdom? By believing in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, you enter the kingdom. Whoever believes in him ha- enters the kingdom of God. How are you going to enter the kingdom? With a lot of stuff or with not much? You know, and when you stand before Jesus Christ, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? You're so fruitful. You were faithful. Or is he going to say, what happened? What happened? And I think a lot of, a lot of believers are going to be standing there going, I just, you know, I, I went to church some. I mean, I didn't get involved. I, I had too much to do. I was too tired on Sundays, really. I mean, I work all the time. And so, you know, it just wasn't that important to me. What's going to happen? It says, man, he's like a tree planted by the waters. Well, that's some good stuff there. So verses 1, 2, 3, this is the righteous person. But what about the wicked? Well, uh, there's a contrast there. He says the wicked are not so. Look at this contrast. Well, let me give it to you again. The wise man, he doesn't do the ungodly things. He He delights in the word of God, and there's fruit and blessing. But what about, here's the contrast with the wicked. What about the the wicked? In verse 4, look what it says. The wicked are not so. They're not like the righteous. They're like the chaff which the wind blows away. Look, there's nothing there. Remember, the other one's fruitful, but this is like, you know, the the husk that, that this stuff you don't want, you throw that up, the wind blows it away. Jesus talked about that he's going to there's going to his wintering fork is in his hand and they're going to throw it in the furnace and burn it up. He said, that, that's what a wicked, that's what, what's going to happen to the wicked. They're like the chaff, which the wind uh, goes away. And, and they just, they're gone. How about a life? You know, we, I, I've done, gosh, I forgot now, 
Chelsea can remember, she just typed it up, but I think I've done like 120-something funerals. I've done a lot of weddings. I've done over 300 weddings, but I've done 120-something funerals. And, you know, when you, when you stand up there, to be honest, we never say bad things about a person. I, I mean, they're dead, and all their family are there, and you don't go, boy, that guy was a jerk. Was he not a jerk? You know, you don't say that, right? You all say things like, oh, what a great person he was. He was wonderful. Everybody loved him, and people are sitting out there going, no, they didn't. They didn't, they didn't love him. <laughs> but most of the time, you want to hear somebody say, this was a life, what? Well lived. A person who lived for God. And so when, 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 we, when we get there, what is it going to be like? Well, these people's lives, they're like chaff. They're, not, they're nothing. They're nothing. And then look what he says about them. He says, the results of the foolish wicked is they will not stand. Therefore, he says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The word stand means to have a place. To have a place. That means when the judgment comes, they won't have that place. And when we're talking about the assembly of of, of the righteous, they're not in the assembly of the righteous. Why? Because they're not righteous. They don't have eternal life. They don't have the righteousness which comes by faith. And it says they will not stand in the judgment. Well, let me tell you, there is a judgment. There's two aspects there, the judgment and the congregation. Let me go back. Whoops. Uh, I think I went too far, too fast. There's the judgment. and the, He said they won't stand in the judgment. They won't. You know what? Guess what? Nobody's going to stand in the judgment. You know what's going to happen when you see Jesus? What's going to happen? Every knee will bow. Unrighteous won't stand in the judgment either. And in the congregation, they're not there. They don't have a part in it. They don't have a part in it. And so he gets to the end, and he says, For the Lord knows the way of the, of the righteous, and the way of the wicked will perish. He ends this with the two destinies. Righteous has eternal life with God. Righteousness comes by faith. Unrighteousness, there's a separation. Look what he says. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Because he's going to reward them. But the way of the wicked will perish. And so what you have is I call it two men, two destinies, and two ways. There are two men. There's a wise man and a foolish man. There's the wise man who believes God's word and is with God, but there's the foolish man who rejects God's word, and there's separation. So there are two destinies. One's going to spend eternity with God. The other's going to spend eternity separated from God. I didn't bring it up on Sunday morning, but in the message just a while ago. But the idea is this. You realize because Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered death, nobody Uh, everyone will exist forever. Some will exist forever, have an eternal life, which is eternal life with Jesus Christ. Some will exist forever, separated from Jesus Christ. That's called the second death. You you don't want to say everybody's going to live forever because living forever is eternal life. They're going to exist forever, but it's going to be the second death. So two destinies, and then finally, two ways. One believes the word, the other rejects the word. So when we look at Psalm 1, hopefully that today as you look at that, you'll go, wow, I didn't know all that was in there. There's just a lot of good stuff in there. So let's make some applications. Let's be wise in the midst of a foolish world. Listen, if you look at our world right now, there's some things that are going on that you look at it and you go, have people lost their minds? Do they not have any common sense anymore? What has happened to our world? It says toward the end, when, in, in those uh, Second Timothy and, and Peter and those, and it says in the end they'll call evil good and good evil, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Things that we say are evil, people are saying good, and things that we say that are good, they're saying that's evil. 
So how do we live? What do we do? Let's be wise in the midst of a fallen world. Let's live by the scripture. And, and what do we do? We get into the word of God. We, we, we read the Proverbs. We read the Psalms. We study the Bible. We, we, we go through the book of, of 1 Samuel as we're studying it. Go, go study ahead. Read ahead a couple of chapters ahead on Sunday mornings to say, what's going to happen next? I want to I know what's happening. I want to study it myself so that when we teach it, we can say, does that match? Did I see the same thing? How does it fit? So let's be wise in the midst of a foolish world. The second one is, let's remember the two directions. Wisdom, salvation, rewards, blessings, and fruit. Foolishness, separation, and worthlessness. Because there's nothing there like chaff that's been cast away. Where are you? I, I mean, I know every one of you in this room. If you had to ask me what I say, do you all know Christ as Savior? I hope and pray that every one of you in this room have believed in Jesus Christ and you have eternal life and so there's salvation. And then hopefully, if we live righteously and godly in a fallen world, there'll be rewards, blessings, and fruit. That's the wise man. The wise man doesn't get in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers. His delight is the Bible and he's like the tree. Wicked are not that way. They're like the chaff. They won't get to stand in the judgment or the assembly. The Lord knows the way of the righteous and he knows the way of the wicked. Righteous, eternal life, wicked, second death.